still. We're going to have a little chat. I'm just going to have a little chat with this guy. Still. That's right. It's time for our chat with Stu Mac. Stuart McMillan, good morning. Hello, Scott J. Gow. Well, this week on KMOX, this past week, KMOX has been remembering the Great Flood of 1993. You know, here at KMOX, we have great archives to dive into to kind of relive some of these things that we all went through and uh, went through together in 1993. Well, I wasn't here. I moved to St. Louis only four short years ago. So I don't have the back history of this. So give me some perspective on, on how big a deal this was. It was massive. It is the greatest and most expensive flood in the history of the United States as far as damage is concerned. Several levees had to be broken. Several levees were broken because of the flooding. Uh, There was one miraculous story in Kimswick where the entire town was saved. Now, this is on the Mississippi. I've been there. Okay, you've you've been there, and you know how close it is. It's, oh, yeah. It's, you could throw a rock baseball at, at the Mississippi and probably hit the water from the Blue Owl uh, restaurant. And they had a levee on the outside of that restaurant that was, you know, 50 feet tall. And the Blue Owl Sweet Shop, who's uh, owned by Mary Hostetter, made a levee-high apple pie after all of this happened, put them on the map. They were on Oprah. They were on the Today Show. <laughs> It put Kimswick on the map. If not for the flood, Kimswick would not be uh, near as big as what it is. Well, how did it survive? It's an amazing story. The Army Corps of Engineers, the National Guard, they all came in looking to see what they can build. And they were able to build a 50-foot levee, and it crested at 49.9. Wow. You can't get any more than the water lapping up against the top, and it held. (laughs) That's incredible. There's also the Cliff Cave tragedy, which... You retold the story this week. Uh, Tell me more about that. Yeah, I think actually this was one of the first times that it's ever been told on Camelax in its entirety. I looked back into the archives, tried to find information about it. The story that we did, you know, on the 10th anniversary didn't even mention that there was a survivor to this. So I kind of dove in and I was able to find uh, two of the rescuers who went in and found an, a 13-year-old alive in Cliff Cave who had been clinging for dear life for 18 hours on a ledge in a cave. That is insane. It's it's incredible. Uh, it's horrifying as well to think about it. I mean, there was one report from the L.A. Times that said that he was in there so long that the bodies of his friends were in there with him. I mean, it's just a horrifying scene. It just gives you goosebumps. I talked to the rescuers and what they're enduring and how they're they're coping with this. Even 30 years after, uh, you have to go back and listen. It's definitely on the podcast, uh, Total Information AM. Stuart, is there any personal memory that you have of this event? You were pretty young. I was. Uh, so, I can. Do you want me to tell you how uh, old I was? I, I don't. But go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, I was four. Well, that's what I was going to say. Four years <laughs> old, Scott. But I have vivid memories of going down to Kimswick with my parents, uh, filling sandbags. We lived right behind Kimswick. I mean, literally mm. behind this town that everybody was coming in there. Thousands and thousands of volunteers were going to put uh, sandbags together in this town. We were one of them. We lived next door to the city. Um, and I vividly remember the wall, the water going up. I vividly remember being afraid of water for the longest time. 
I remember my mom telling uh, telling me to take a bath, and I was scared to get in the bathtub because of all the raging water we had seen on TV and all the reports we were hearing on the radio and everything that we were seeing in person. I mean, it was very real to me. And didn't you find a, a couple that had gotten married during <laughs> yes. this big event, and they told their story? Yes. So San, uh, Scott and Kim Peters from Crystal City, Festus, Missouri, they were getting married. They had already set the date mid-July, and all of a sudden, this water started to surge, and the Great Flood showed up. Boom. The brand-new Walmart Supercenter in Festus, underwater. So these folks had already set the date for their wedding, and they're like, well, you know, we hadn't really thought about the flood a whole lot because it hadn't reached the church. Well, by the time the wedding happened, floodwaters reached the church. There was floodwaters lapping up three sides of the building. They had to get pumps and pump out the water. All the while, Scott and Kim Peters didn't know that the church people were doing this for them. They had no idea. They're like, oh, yeah, the church. they've been told the church is fine. They didn't want them to worry about it, Scott. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so they show up, and there's water everywhere, and they're like, what? I, I thought you said it was fine. It's like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Everything's okay. They pumped out water of the basement so they could have their reception. Wow. I mean, it's a, it's a great story. And uh, 30 years after, kind of retrospective, and uh, their 30th anniversary as well, and still married to this day, living in Nixon, Missouri. I was on a trip to Springfield, ran into them, and uh, telling their story. How about that? Uh, finally, Stuart, uh, you've talked to a lot of people covering this story. You've done great work here. What is the biggest takeaway when thinking back to this huge event that affected the region so much and you know, it's something that could happen again. You, you know, know, that's that's a great point, and that's actually exactly where I'm going to go with this. The National Weather Service, what they had at the time compared to what they have now as far as forecasting uh, 12 hours out, just rain totals and things like that, they had just uh, received a brand-new location for the National Weather Service here in St. Louis in Weldon Spring, and they moved all of their stuff into this building, and then whammo, they're hit with the flood. They had a new radar system that could somewhat tell you what was happening as far as rain totals and, and, and the things they had before that, the radar they had before that, wouldn't even have been able to tell you much at all. It was from 1957. <laughs> so it was it was a miracle that they even had what they had. But if they had what they had today, things could have been a lot different telling people when to evacuate, when to tell emergency personnel to do certain things, when to tell the Army of Corps Engineers that this is going to the flood stage is way past they were getting numbers that were way outdated and having to put out forecasts that were already outdated when they were putting them out. Mm. So looking back 30 years later, there's a lot of things they, they've fixed in that world, like adding hydrologists to the National Weather Service uh, on a regular basis to be able to see the flood stages and see how water saturating the grounds. Um, also, the Army Corps of Engineers, in their 30-year retrospective, they told us on KMOX, uh David Bussey with the Army Corps of Engineers, told us that, Hey, are the levees up and down Mississippi, they're doing fine. They're doing great right now. But can it happen again? He says, absolutely. Stuart McMillan, we really appreciate your perspective on this. Great reporting. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. Can